0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. It's
1: got a text message from one of my best friends who said, assume you're hosting huge draft party for the show. Yeah, it really is. I've cordoned off my entire basement for the draft party. I found a uh, half consumed bottle of blue Gatorade in the fridge I have access to snacks, though I didn't bring any downstairs. I could always go and get some, and I've turned the TV on. So that is my draft party tonight. I hope your evening is just as eventful or even more eventful, if that's possible. Thanks a lot for tuning in. The NHL Draft Lottery is tonight. It'll start pretty soon. We'll keep you updated. They're going to draw, of course, the three names to determine the top three picks for the NHL Entry Draft whenever that actually winds up happening, and they do have those placeholder teams in there for the teams who are going to compete in the qualifying round. So that's how we're setting it up. So we'll keep you updated, and we'll talk to Sam Cosentino tonight, analyst with the Canadian Hockey League on Sportsnet, to let you know about the top prospects. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere is the consensus number one pick for this year's draft. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Hope you have a great weekend ahead of you. If you would like to get in touch, it is relatively simple to do so. On your phone, call or text 780-496-0063. Get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can also email Inside Sports at 630Ched.com. Kellen, am I coming through okay there, buddy? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to... I actually gotta adjust my setup just slightly so I can see the TV and talk at the same time, though they're not ah, starting gotcha. doing the the TV's kind of uh... Off to my left, and maybe just slightly behind me, the way I have things set up mm-hmm. here in the room, mm-hmm. I should have uh, adjusted the desk ahead of time. I wasn't really thinking. Gotcha. That's okay. I got the <laughs> working, uh, working from home. It's all good.
0: I got the draft lottery on as well here at Shed Control, and uh, they're interviewing a bunch of first responders right now. That it seems like each team has nominated like to be it. on
1: the broadcast. So yeah, obviously I have the I have the sound turned down, but we'll keep everybody updated tonight, and uh, we'll talk about the the hub cities. And man, I. I mean, you've, of course, you're following this story. You can't avoid it. And numbers rising, COVID numbers rising in a lot of areas for the United States. So we have Edmonton and Toronto left as candidates here in Canada. And, you know, Edmonton's been been doing all right. The, the, you know, 38 new in Alberta today, 19 in the Edmonton zone. Edmonton does have 241 active cases. So that number has gone up in June, but it hasn't totally exploded. So, you know, and if you look at the the uh, the, if you look at the models back when this all started, right? Everybody was saying, "Well, flatten the curve, flatten the curve," and it went up like a big hump, and then it kind of had that long tail on it. So, my understanding of that was that cases aren't going to drop to zero for perhaps a long time. There might be kind of a steady lower number of cases for a while. And hopefully that's the situation we're in here in Edmonton area and in Alberta. But of course, as we've seen in, in parts of the United States, it's starting to go back up like a, a second spike or a second hump on a, on a camel. If you want to look at it that way, Ontario today, uh, 111 new cases, uh, they had about 50 new in the greater Toronto area yesterday and they have a little over 800 active there. So more population there, but Toronto in the, in the running as well for this. And uh, you know, Nevada and, and around Las Vegas getting several hundred of new cases a day. I think they had about 507 yesterday. So there's big decisions here for the NHL they, for the NHL. They wanted to make the hub city decision this week, preferably yesterday, but then it fell apart with Vancouver and the province of BC so they're putting that off. So I would expect Monday, maybe Tuesday, that they will announce the Hub Cities. And maybe they're both going to be in Canada. It, it, it might just make the most sense for it to be Edmonton and, and Toronto just because Canada has so many fewer cases than, than most American centres. So obviously something that we're going to keep an eye on. The draft lottery, which uh, for far too long had incredible significance here in Edmonton for the Oilers, going back to 2010. Now, the lottery was was different, right? The first few years, the Oilers had, uh, had the first overall pick. In 2010, the Oilers finished last, and they had almost a 50% chance of getting that first overall pick. You, a team that won the draft lottery could only move up four spots. So Edmonton had 25% chance of winning, and then when you factored in uh, all the – other teams' chances of winning who are outside of the top four and couldn't move up the first. Edmonton was around 48% to uh, get the number one pick. Edmonton won the draft lottery. That was the Taylor-Tyler year, and uh, the Oilers drafted Taylor Hall first overall. Tyler Sagan went second to Boston. That was a a pick acquired from Toronto. Eric Goodbranson went third to Florida. Ryan Johansson went fourth to Columbus. And Nino Niederreier out of Switzerland, played for the Portland Winterhawks, wound up going fifth overall, and he was taken by the New York Islanders. Next year, Oilers saw another bad season. And uh, once again, they drafted first overall after finishing last. Now, that was the one, and I know them kind of being this is kind of a technicality because the Oilers did pick first overall, but the Oilers did not win the draft lottery that year. The New Jersey Devils won the draft lottery. And they moved up four spots to fourth. So the Oilers retained the first overall pick. So under the current rules, if they, if they would have had the current rules, New Jersey would have picked first overall. And then they would have drawn a couple other slots. And who knows where Edmonton would have wound up. So the odd thing about this is, is that the player New Jersey picked as a result of winning the draft lottery Is now an Edmonton Oiler, and that was Adam Larson, who obviously was traded for Taylor Hall. Nugent Hopkins first overall to the Oilers. Gabriel Landeskog went second overall to the Colorado Avalanche. Jonathan Huberdeau went to Florida, and the fifth overall pick that year also was an Edmonton Oiler at one point in his career, and that was uh, Ryan Strom. Of course, he only go on a plane here about a year and a third. Then the next year, 2012. Well, this time the Oilers didn't finish last, but they did finish second last. And they got picked, and they left ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And in hindsight, and of course it's easy to say this in, in hindsight, of all the, the, the four first overall picks the Oilers had, this is the one you look back and say they probably should have traded because you know it was, there was a lot of differing opinions on who the first overall pick should be that year. Certainly Yakupov had been an explosive scorer in the Ontario Hockey League. Not everybody was sold on him. But he, he, he was a, a pretty high prospect. But that's the year when you look back and say, what if the orders just moved down and got, you know, one of the defensemen that, that was taken or, or even took a chance on another. Heck, Philip Forsberg went 11th, you know. So uh, that, that was kind of an unpredictable year. Yakupov went first overall. Columbus took Ryan Murray second. Alex Galchenyuk. Went third overall to the Canadians. He's been traded a couple times. Griffin Reinhart, who uh, was briefly an Edmonton Oiler, was taken fourth overall by the New York Islanders. And Morgan Riley, who uh, was undressed by Connor McDavid on a goal earlier this season, went to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then the Oilers didn't pick first overall for a couple of years. And then, of course, in 2015, the absolute game changer. And this was now the weighted. Draft lottery. They they changed the odds and uh, they picked three teams, and the Oilers had finished third last that year, twenty eighth, and they had an eleven and a half percent chance of winning the draft lottery and getting Connor McDavid. And I remember going into to to work on a Saturday night, and uh, the draft lottery was uh, on Sportsnet, so I was watching that and it started you know just after six o'clock and i talked with uh, you know my boss about it and it was kind of like okay well you know be be ready but if if the orders don't win the lottery you know cut into coverage and just go to the bottom or top of whatever whatever hour talk about who won the lottery who's getting mcdavid who the orders might get wherever they wind up you know and then we we got a quick blast there and then we shut her down well and then the, then the Oilers won the lottery, and then it was Connor McDavid. And then I, I I think we wound I don't know, I don't think you were working that night, Kellen, but I was planning to be, okay, I'm probably done at 6.30, wound up going from about quarter after 6 till uh, 8 o'clock because then all of a sudden it was uh, talking to Bob, talking to Rob Brown, and uh playing the audio and and mm-hmm. ta- and taking calls as obviously that was uh, a franchise changer for the Edmonton Oilers the top 5 that year Connor McDavid to the Oilers Jack Eichel to the Buffalo Sabres Dylan Strom went to the Arizona Coyotes Mitch Marner taken by Toronto and Noah Hannifin was drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes so that's uh, how it, it broke down for the Oilers four first overall picks uh, in six seasons in the NHL. And on three of those occasions, they actually won the draft lottery. Again, the Nugent Hopkins year, New Jersey won the draft lottery, but the way the rules worked then, the Oilers retained the first overall pick. Uh, yeah, I mean, for unfortunately, some of those years... The, the the draft lottery and the draft were maybe more exciting than than most of the season because as we all remember for uh, most of those years the Oilers were nowhere near being a playoff contending team Daryl texting into seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three he says Reed, just get the tools out and cut holes in the ceiling make a dumb waiter exercise comes with it well that would I, I if I were to rebuild this house I would put a dumb waiter in have some something. <laughs> some sort of system to get the snacks up and down all right they're going to start doing a draft lottery unveiling the order of selection we'll take a time out and keep you updated inside sports on six thirty. 30 check <laughs> know what it is draft lottery always makes me tense i feel all shaky now okay so the top three teams the order is still to be announced they've gone to commercial on sportsnet bill daly flipping over those giant cards so the teams still remaining are the ottawa senators who actually had two slots in here because they have san jose's first round pick ottawa is going to pick fifth but they still have the san jose uh pick So that's going to be in the top three. The LA Kings had moved into the top three and one of the playoff teams. So we don't know which slot it was, but the one of the placeholder teams for the eight teams that are going to be eliminated in the qualifying round. So they were all given a percentage, team A 6%, team B 5%, all the way down to team H at 1%. One of those slots won one of the three lotteries. So we're going to find out pretty soon from commissioner bill daly which slot it was after that that percentage doesn't matter then all the eight teams who get eliminated in the qualifying round will go into a second lottery at a later date and they'll each have a one and eight percent or one and eight chance or twelve and a half percent chance of getting the first second or third overall pick we don't know which one it's going to be so it's going to be ottawa los angeles or One of the losing teams from the qualifying round having the first overall pick, so that they are going to have to do a second draft lottery. Here's how it broke it breaks down Detroit, so they drop right out of the top three, they have the worst record in the NHL. They will draft fourth, Ottawa will pick fifth, the Anaheim Ducks at number six, New Jersey at number seven, and the Buffalo Sabres at number eight. So, really, Detroit, you know, having just uh, a dreadful season, a points percentage of just 275 they had an 18.5 percent chance that the first overall pick will uh will not pick in the in the top three so we got ottawa los angeles and what, what do we call it? i saw somebody on twitter call it team chaos the the mystery team <laughs> so whatever, whatever whatever you want to call it eventually it'll be a playoff team uh and one of the teams that so here's the thing as of right now the edmonton oilers have a chance to pick in the top three in the draft but they'd have to lose to chicago for this to happen okay bill daly's flipping them over now and it is the ottawa pick that they got via san jose in the carlson trade coming in at number three so ottawa will pick third and fifth in the draft Somebody just texted in Phoenix gets bounced and will win the lottery. They have the secret weapon. Well, yeah, teams with Taylor Hall on them have uh, Edmonton and New Jersey have been pretty good at moving up in the draft. That's a really good point. Okay. So now dailies, instead of the flipping the number two team, they're just going to go straight to the number one team. And it is the chaos team. My goodness. So one of the lower percentage teams at 6% or less, and maybe he said which one it was, but obviously I can't hear it right now. I'll keep an eye on Twitter. And uh, that puts the Los Angeles Kings second overall. So here's the thing. One of the eight teams that loses in the qualifying round when we get back to playing will select first overall. So you got 16 teams in that bunch right now. Eight are going to be eliminated. Those eight will go into a second lottery Each will have a 12.5% chance of winning, and now that is for the first overall pick. So it's such an unusual season under unusual circumstances. A team that played postseason games... Uh, will still have a chance to pick first overall. Now, I'm not calling them playoff games because the NHL has said they're, they're not playoff games, but they have said the regular season is over, so I'm calling them postseason games. So a team that plays in the postseason will subsequently then have a chance to pick first overall. So really interesting development tonight I'm uh, just seeing if they announced which spot it was. Uh, I, I, I don't see the percentages, but anyway, it, it was one of the it was one of the 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 placeholder spots that had a six percent chance. Or less. Of, well, I can just give you all the percentages. So, qualifier A, 6%, team B, 5%, then three and a half, three, two and a half, two, one and a half, and one. One of those spots won the draft lottery to jump all the way up to number one. So, the top eight for the NHL draft, the uh, unknown team, the, the, the boldly going where no team has gone before team. We should call them the Star Trek team, Team Wildcard. Then, Los Angeles. Ottawa third, Detroit fourth, Ottawa fifth, Anaheim sixth, New Jersey seven, and Buffalo eight. So there you go. Sam Cosentino covers the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, I was able to tape a chat with him earlier today. He'll give you the lowdown on Alexis Lafreniere, expected to go first overall to whoever. Bob Stoffer will chime in a little bit later on tonight. We'll talk about the draft lottery and a little bit more about the ongoing Hub City story. You can reach out 780-496-0063. team has won the draft lottery so we do not know who will pick first overall in the nhl draft it's one of the eight teams that will wind up losing in the qualifying round that could be edmonton could be pittsburgh could be toronto could be calgary could be winnipeg could be vancouver Right now, 16 teams possible. Eventually, it will be eight, and they'll hold the second lottery after the qualifying round is completed. So the undiscovered team, first overall, Los Angeles Kings second, Ottawa third. That was actually the pick they got from San Jose. Detroit fourth, Ottawa fifth. That's their own slot. They they originally were second. Anaheim sixth, New Jersey seventh, and Buffalo eighth. So that is how... The draft lottery breaks down. Always drama when they're flipping over those cards. Kellen, have you seen? Um, uh, have you seen the actual odds? I don't know if I've seen it yet. I have not. No, I'm just I'm just curious what. Uh, and, and again, if you're watching this at home, maybe you have the TV and the radio on, or maybe you've seen it somewhere. Uh, obviously, I have my TV muted, so I, I haven't seen anything about at which actual slot it was. But it was it was one of the teams that had. a probability of 6% or less to get the first overall pick. So that's uh, that's what came through at a very interesting night for the draft lottery. And some people didn't like this format going in. And... Uh, sorry, I'm just checking here. Something... Yeah, they, they, every, every team was... Uh, Some people didn't like this going in, and and certainly I've already seen some criticism on social media that this is kind of I – I don't think the NHL wanted it to turn out this way. I I think the NHL was hoping it was going to be three concrete teams and that that would be it. They wouldn't need to hold a second lottery. But the, the teams that were in the qualifying round said, well, if you're not actually calling that playoffs, then I guess you have to give us a chance. Jamie says, I wonder how many teams might tank, not purposely, but maybe say don't play too hard. As we know, there are teams that didn't have a chance of making the playoffs and got lucky with this pandemic. Now with the first up for grabs might be tempting to not play too hard when they realistically know they won't go deep into the playoffs after winning the playing round. That is from Jamie. Yeah, I mean, it's just an unusual situation all around, Jamie. Thanks for texting in. I mean, my I've always thought that the players aren't, overly worried about it. Someone a couple of weeks ago texted and asked me if I thought it was a good idea to have a tournament for the first overall pick. And I said, no, because you're just not going to get the same level of of commitment from the players playing for something like that. When it's more of a long-term benefit as opposed to winning the Stanley cup, which is an immediate benefit if you win the tournament. But Jamie, I just think this whole qualifying round and these playoffs are, are going to be so strange no matter what. I I I do think that you're going to have a wider commitment, a wider range of commitment levels than you would in other playoffs. And look, they're they're pro athletes; they're wired to play. They're all alpha males. You know, they they they've all been playing hockey all their lives at a high level. But I'm wondering, once you get into the best of sevens, are we going to see any comebacks from three-one down? are we going to see series that are three, nothing after three games extended to a game five, or are we going to have teams in the back of their mind thinking, all right, I got two more nights in this hotel and then I'm back to to family time. You know, you know, maybe I'm not going to step into every lane to block every shot to, to try to keep a very low percentage chance of winning the series alive. But I mean, that's a fair question, Jamie. And there, there are a lot of questions surrounding what's going on here. And then we still have one who's going to pick first overall Seven eight zero. 496-0063 to, uh, to chime in on the phone line or on the text line. Well, my buddy, Courtney Terrio, who works over at City TV, has tweeted out a picture. I've already ordered my Lafreniere jersey, and it's a white jersey, and it just says placeholder across the front. So Somebody's probably actually going to make that. All right, to find out more about uh, the top prospect for this draft and uh, some other stories affecting the Canadian Hockey League, Welcome back to the show, Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino. Sam, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm doing great. It's awesome to be back. It's awesome to be talking about something concrete. Unless, of course, one of the eight teams sneaks into the top three.
1: Yeah, it's uh, an unusual format, obviously, to to say the least, in unusual times. And I guess we're usually we would do an interview like this about a week or two earlier because we'd actually be talking about draft prospects and i remember a couple of years ago you said man if the oilers get yamamoto where they were picking but instead we're, we're just still talking about uh, about the draft lottery hopefully you know i just hope everybody's keeping well first of all that's kind of been my first question for a lot of people uh, how have you been riding it out through all this uncertainty
2: Yeah, from a health perspective, we're doing well, thanks. The family's been good. The kids really haven't gone anywhere other than uh, than outside, and, uh, you know, we've kept it within our, our tight bubble um and and maybe the best thing about what's happened so far is you know we've had a tremendous amount of, of family time in a, a year uh, part of the year where i'm typically gone so um you know the challenging part on the flip side of that was all the homeschooling but now that's over so hip hip hooray let's get after it
1: <laughs> okay well let's <laughs> let's dive right in uh alexis lafreniere Top prospect. I know you've talked to him. A lot of us have have seen him play, uh, certainly representing Canada. Give us the lowdown here. Give us the scouting report on why he's the number one.
2: Well, there's so many different elements to his game, and you know what, you're, you're really lucky there that when you uh, sit in Edmonton, you you watch Leon Drysaddle and you watch Connor McDavid, and you know right away with Connor, uh, the ability to handle the puck and play at such a, a high pace, and, and with that agility, automatically jumps out at you. You see Nathan McKinnon a lot, the blazing speed jumps out at you. You see Patrick Kane over there in that conference, so you get an idea of what it's like to have those kind of hands. And so when you're talking about Alexi I don't think that one dynamic element really jumps out at you. But there's a lot of really good stuff that does. The hands are awesome. The vision is unbelievable. The shot, the release, spectacular. You know, skating, not an issue whatsoever. And I think the one thing that he brings to the table that few highly skilled guys bring to the table is the fact that he has some physicality to him as well. And I think that really came to the fore this year as something that he was, uh, you know, intent on making a bigger part of his game. And I think it really worked out well for him. And you're looking at a guy, six one, hundred 190, 95 pounds, I mean, kind of the perfect hockey body, um, but he really does everything well. There are no weaknesses in this young man's game. And so you're looking at the total player as opposed to that one dynamic element. And I think that's what makes him so special.
1: All right. So every draft year kind of takes on its personality, right? I remember the year Leon was drafted, there was the Fantastic Four. Clearly other years, you know, there's there's a clear number one and, and maybe you kind of wind up grouping players is there, in in your mind, a clear number two, or is it is it a large group of guys, two through whatever? How do you see it after number one?
2: Well, it's interesting because I, I don't think number two is as clear as maybe it was uh, defined earlier in the year with uh, Quinton Byfield of Sudbury, a 6'4", 215-pound center that, that plays in Sudbury. And then you've got Tim Stutzloh who's playing with Mannheim uh, in, in Germany last year and really... Put up some some excellent numbers for a youngster playing in a men's league, so I think it's going to be between those two. Um, I do think that might be somewhat team dependent. You know, if you're if you're looking for that centerman who's a sure thing, then then Byfield's the way you're going to go. But if you're looking for a guy who's played wing most of the year who you might project as a center, and the fact that Stutzla did that at the World Juniors, then that's the direction you might go. So uh, it's going to be really fun to watch that when we get to that point. But I don't think there's a clear cut number two I believe both of those players are in the running for that
1: Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet joining us on Inside Sports let's let's just talk a little bit about junior hockey of course we didn't get to see the end of this season WHL Commissioner Ron Robinson was on with Bob Stauffer and Oilers now earlier this week and said they can't play without fans they want to be back October 2nd for the WHL and I think preferably they they'd like to get to 50 percent capacity if they could I mean man you like you you cover the Canadian Hockey League just tell us how you you see it trying to move forward here and um I'll, I'll I won't just ask you any concerns I'll ask your reasons for optimism as well because we're talking so much about concerns these days but I'll let you come at it from either side
2: well, you, you hope that they can weather the storm, and, it, and it's been devastating. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you talk about the, the settlement of the lawsuit. You talk about another lawsuit being launched, one that's currently ongoing. And then, of course, you had the COVID-19 pandemic. And even the, the, the small amount of games for some of the markets across the Canadian Hockey League where they might have missed their home games or at the very least uh, two playoff games on top of that, that's significant. Um, and now you're looking at uh, a delayed start to the season and who knows it, it might even take us longer than October although things out west seem to be a little bit more common than, than where I'm located out here in Ontario and, and further to, to the east uh, in Quebec so um, you know if you can get through this I think as a league then uh, I do believe that uh, you know you can kind of get through anything but um, I can't help but think at some point there's going to be some collateral damage from all of this um, you know, in the meantime, um, <laughs> there's a lot of good that comes with it too. And I, and I think people can't forget about all the good that happens uh, with the Canadian Hockey League in, in its uh, 60 towns. Um, there's a lot of good that comes of it. And, and unfortunately, we haven't focused on much of that lately.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I got to ask you about something else here the CHL is dealing with. They put out a statement today. Uh, about a, a class action suit and just some allegations of uh, you know hazing and abuse and, and and things like that. You know, unfortunately, you, you hear stories like this in, in junior hockey sometimes. Uh, clearly, the leagues and the teams don't want that type of environment. Does this signal anything to you, or how how do you think this is going to play out from here on?
2: Well, I think really it's it's a reiteration of all the programs that have been put in place over the last. 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, um, what happened 20 years ago isn't what happens now. And that's not to excuse what happened. And it's not to take the voice away of those that felt they were wrong 20 years ago. But just like everything, um, the Canadian Hockey League has evolved. And it realized, even going back uh, to the Akeem incident and moving forward from there, some big steps were taken at that point. You know, some more steps needed to be taken and have been since that time. And just because uh, the, the, the Canadian Hockey League as a whole is in a pretty good place right now in terms of its policies, its player support, the player experience, it doesn't mean that there's not room to evolve either. So it's, it's an ongoing dialogue. It's a fluid sort of thing. Um, you know, you hate to see these things happen But obviously when someone feels wrong we're, We live in a, in a, in a democratic uh, country And and, uh, and that allows us to challenge uh, those things So, you know, the interesting part about all this is uh, You know, you kind of just come off uh, one lawsuit And then a, another one gets going And we'll, we'll see where it goes from there um, But at the end of the day uh, The game today and the support today, and the player experience today, is way so so much different than than some of the players that are, um, you know, with that have brought forth this suit.
1: Well, Sam, thanks for checking in. Of course, uh, once we get playing, we'll see how everything uh, plays out here, and eventually we're going to have an NHL draft as well. So thanks for checking in on some of the top prospects and these other storylines. All the best, buddy. We'll see you down the road.
2: Okay, I really appreciate it, Reed. Uh, I wish all the listeners, um, you know, staying happy and staying safe, and hopefully we get to watch some hockey.
1: There we go. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet, uh, an overview of what makes Alexis Lafreniere the consensus number one pick to whatever team is going to get that first overall pick. So I guess this is the first time the NHL has held the draft lottery, and we don't know who is picking first overall. So the, the twists and turns continue for this NHL season. Back after the break, Inside Sports on Ched. Thank you, Mr. Neal. Gary says, OMG, Reed. How are we supposed to understand this draft that is Gary and Cold Lake? Well, Gary, it's, it's actually more clear now than it was an hour ago. They've set the order for the top eight. They just don't know who the first overall team will be. It'll be one of the teams that loses in the qualifying round. There will be eight such teams, and then they'll go into a second lottery, and each team will have a one-on-eight chance of winning the first overall pick.
0: bluenile.com.
1: They will be in that second lottery. Uh, yeah, you can text 780-496-0063. Tony, if you, uh, Tony I, I don't know if you missed a punctuation or left out a word. I'm not sure what you're saying, so if you want to text me back. Uh, maybe I'm just a little dumb tonight. But uh, I think... I'm not. I'm not quite sure what you're saying. So text me back if you got a second there, Tony, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right. So there we have it. Uh, the The undiscovered team: Los Angeles, Ottawa, the top three. Then Detroit, Ottawa, Anaheim, New Jersey, and Buffalo. Ottawa had two picks there because they also have San Jose's first round selection. So that's a big storyline. Hub cities: L.A., Las Vegas, Chicago, Edmonton, and Toronto. The remaining candidates to be hub cities likely early next week. We'll get a decision there. Elliot Friedman on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer says there are still issues with the Edmonton and Toronto bids.
0: One of the things here is you know the, the accommodations. Um, you know I, I know the issue with Toronto's bid was the bubble. They were yep. concerned in downtown Toronto they wouldn't be able to keep it airtight. Like they were worried that. Uh, they were going to be in a situation where they couldn't, in the density of downtown Toronto, they weren't going to be able to keep it airtight, and now Toronto's changed their bid. Uh, I, I do think that in Edmonton, the accommodations have been an issue, and I know some people scream bloody murder about it, but think about it. Like You could be there, depending on where the Stanley Cup finals are played, for you know two, two, two months straight, two-plus, maybe seven or eight weeks, I don't blame people if they're saying, like, you know, if I'm going to have to be somewhere for seven or eight weeks, particularly if it's without my family, I want it to be in the nicest possible accommodation. But I have no desire to make fun of or, or kick up on Edmonton. It's it's not that does not interest me in the least.
1: All right, so that's Elliot Friedman who has uh, who tweeted out a few minutes ago and had someone texting in saying, "Read what happens if the, if the playoffs don't get finished." So here's what Elliot Friedman says. If, for whatever reason, the play-in cannot be completed, the remaining bottom eight teams will have a 1-8 and eight shot at the top selection. So that would not be the Oilers in that situation. So if, if, we, as if we move through July here and the NHL says this isn't going to work and they scrap the season, the remaining eight teams that uh, were, were the worst eight teams are going to have a one and eight shot at the top pick. And that would not include the Oilers because obviously they were what ninth overall in points and 12th overall in, in points percentage. I hope this is making sense tonight. I I really do. Uh, (laughs) Because, Uh, math on the radio is not always the best is not always the best thing. Uh, Somebody just wrote in describing the NHL draft lottery. It sounds like you're describing the basketball playoffs. Well, that's a a whole other story, but there, there is clarity tonight, but not in, not complete clarity. And, 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 as I said, there, there is a contingency that if they don't even finish the season. So the only way the Oilers could get the first overall pick is to lose to Chicago and then win the second draft lottery. If, the, if they beat Chicago, they can't get it. And if the season is not completed, they can't get it. So I'm assuming the large majority, if not all of you, are Oilers fans. So that's what you have to know for the Oilers. The undiscovered team won the draft lottery, LA second, Ottawa 3rd nine six zero zero six three to call in or text. Okay, think we got that under control, Kellen? I don't know. I, it's clearer to me than it was
0: last night, actually. So, thank you very much for explaining. Well, right, because least.
1: now, yeah, we've ne- we've even though there's still uh, yeah. a bunch of possibilities, they there are fewer possibilities than there were before this all started. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, I think I'm going to keep calling it the undiscovered team. I like that. That'll be our little thing here in Inside Sports for the 14 people who listen. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Bob Stoffer will check in after the seven o'clock news. We'll talk about the draft lottery. And uh, we'll touch on the Hub City drama as well. And between 7.30 and 8 tonight, the CEO and commissioner of the Canadian Elite Basketball League, that's the league that your Edmonton Stingers play in. They had a pretty good first season, but now like the pandemic, they are grossly affected, and they're going to try to do a tournament in Ontario. So he'll fill us in on that. Back after the news. Thanks for listening tonight.